This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. Good morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started. If I could get everyone to please take their seats. My name is Shannon Steiger. I am with the Buckley Realty Group. I am going to be the fill-in moderator today for our session with the truth about paying for senior living, understanding Medicare, Medicaid, and more. So I'm so excited to be here. So you need to know this is very unusual that we have an, uh, a fill-in moderator. The Buckaloos are out of town right now, so I feel very honored that Nikki and Chris asked me to be here. And as the moderator, as a professional um, real estate agent, I can tell you there's three main questions, three things that we consistently hear from our clients. It is, when am I going to move? Where am I going to move? And how am I going to pay for that move? And I can tell you the answer to question three, how am I going to pay for the move, often answers question one and question two, okay? We know that everyone in this room has worked hard for their money, focused on saving, investing, knowing what you're going to do with that money. Um, the goal is that you live, you live through your retirement, um, you have you live comfortably through your retirement, that you hopefully are able to leave a little bit through to your family and possibly a little bit to a cause that you believe in. Okay, that's kind of the goal. Most people actually do not believe or plan on moving to a retirement community. But that being said, we've also all probably experienced in some capacity assisting our um, mothers, our fathers, our grandparents, aunts and uncles go through those unexpected life changes where we've had to help be caregivers and know that plans often change. And, often, and also with that, that their, um, what the vision of their life would be look, look like living at home may not have truly been what it looked like in reality. So our goal today is to talk about the different ways that you can plan, we're gonna focus on planning today, for the future with the, the different tools that are out there and available, okay? So I would like to invite up our panelists. So if I could ask our panelists to come up and we will get this conversation started because these are some of the best experts in each of their fields. We have Don Sword, with Sword Financial Management, we have Eunice Corey with Well Preserved Advisory Group, and then we have Jill Huff with, with Spanish Co Retirement Village. So if you guys will welcome them up. specific areas helping people with their income gaps at retirement going from a salary to their pension and social security and supplemental income to post retirement income where the second income gap usually comes into play to help with the preservation of life okay Eunice I'm Eunice Corey and I own 
Eunice Corey, and I am the owner of the Well Preserved Advisory Group. Also, host a radio show on News Radio 1000 KTOK every Saturday at 9 o'clock. It's called Well Preserved. And we focus in Medicare long term care planning in our office. And I've worked with Joel Huff for probably 10 years. So you're in for a treat today. And we welcome your questions when we get to the QA time. And you can tell I'm not bashful. <laughs> it's always good to have a not bashful group of panelists, isn't it? We'd hate to have to pull it out of them and say, no, um, Your Honor, can I treat them as a hostile panelist? So see no hostile panelists today. Okay, so there are two types of healthcare financing that are often misunderstood and confused. I hear people have this conversation all the time. Um, but the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. So let's start with Medicare. So what, Eunice, if you were describing Medicare, what does Medicare cover? What was the purpose? Just tell us a little bit about the misconceptions with Medicare. Okay, Medicare is government health insurance. It's been around since 1967. So if you are 65 or turning 65, welcome, your birthday was in 1957. Medicare will pay for any medically necessary uh, procedure. I'm, I'm the example of Medicare right now. So it covers you in the hospital. There are two parts of Medicare, Part A and Part B. Medicaid, on the other hand, is a program that's through our state. Uh, it's called Sooner Care here, and that's for people with limited income. Medicare, on the other side, is our largest PPO provider in the nation. So if you're over 65 or if you're under 65 and have a disability, you can qualify for Medicare. Okay, so let's talk about Medicare some more. So Medicare is a health care provider. So do they cover hospitalizations then? Yes, you are covered in the hospital. Um, and here you go again. If you have original Medicare, you're covered anywhere in the United States. Okay. So what about you leave the hospital and the doctor tells you that you need to go into rehabilitation? Is that covered with, re with Medicare? Well, first of all, you have to be in the hospital three full nights on Medicare to qualify for what's called a SNF unit or rehab therapy. So that is key, three full nights on original Medicare. And we have some amazing providers here in our area that provide that service. Perfect. Okay, so you're not in the hospital for three nights, so you've been hospital hospitalized, but they let you out in a day and a half. And the doctor says that you need home health. Is home health something that's covered through Medicare? Home health is covered under the Part A of Medicare. And here you go again. We have about 170 providers just in our Oklahoma City metro area. About half of them have a contract with Medicare. And I always remind people, you have a choice. Learn the carrier or the company that you want to do business with. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. About how you, when you say that you get the choice of the carrier. So when you have Medicare, it's not just a government provided. Mm -hmm. You get to pick the carrier. You get to pick your provider okay. on that that provides the service. Okay. And here's a good example. A lot of times when people are in the hospital, just a short period of time, uh, you get a packet and it has all this information in there. Well, number one, you've been in the hospital. Depends on who's picking you up. That's when you're making a choice on who you want to choose to have as a home health care provider. I prefer someone that's local, that I can call the CEO if we have an issue, and we can get things taken care of versus uh, the bigger they are, the smaller you are. But you have a choice. And that's why coming to events like this to find out what we have in our community, there's 170. Half of those uh, businesses take Medicare. Do you know which one? So doing your research, getting out, and uh, finding out where you would like to go if you ended up in that situation. You know, I'm a perfect example right now, and trust me, I have my plan for the worst list 
So my kids didn't have to get on the phone and make a phone call, and that's peace of mind for you, and that's peace of mind for your family. Okay, so that kind of leads to my next question. Well, I'm gonna digress just a moment, because this home health care is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, so you may not know when you're going to the hospital. You may not know when you're going to need home health care. Well, so this is a surprise. Be, yeah, yeah. Be, yeah, it could be, it could be, mm -hmm. absolutely. So if it's a surprise and not something that's planned, is it wise then to begin calling different home health care and just having good conversations with them and asking what they provide? And like you said, have that list mm -hmm. that you can provide your caregiver, your family, mm -hmm. and say, these are the people who I prefer to use. So well, they have that in advance. Okay. How, my question to you would be, how important is your quality of life? I'm from the old school. I actually went out and went to their business. I talked to a couple of their caregivers. That to me is the true um, questions answered to me on who I want to do business with. How do they treat their staff? How do, um, how do they run their business? I mean, I'm a small business person here in Oklahoma, and the mind buys what the eye sees. If it hits your comfort button, then you've probably found your provider. It's your quality of life. And that's why I love when Spanish Cove opens their doors. You get to see what you get. So when you're talking about someone coming in your home, oh my gosh, they're giving you a shower? You don't want just to have the ABC firm rolling into your house that you've never met before, that you have no clue who you're doing business with. So I took time, probably 10 years ago, to figure out if something goofy happened like happened to me in February, that I'd know who to pick up the phone and call. And if I was in, under anesthetic, then my son Patrick would have this list. You call them, you call them, you call them. That's who I do business with. Very good, thank you. And that's wise. It's always better to be, I know I've personally been in situations with family members that we're at the hospital and they're coming in and telling you we're discharging your loved one in two hours, they need home health care, here's who we're providing and we have no choice. So it's always better a choice. choice. Yeah, we have a choice. Yeah. Well, at that point you feel like you don't have a choice, I'll put it that way. Even well, though you're a little bit overwhelmed. Right. Okay. Correct. Okay, so then with Medicare, is Medicare a long-term housing solution? Absolutely not. Okay. That's have a plan of action. There you go. So Medicare is a health care, um, is health care, not right. long-term housing. Right, for acute care. Acute You're going to get better. Okay, very good. So now let's shift to Medicaid. So Medicare we all qualify for at based on age, mm -hmm. correct? So who qualifies for Medicaid is it age-based or is it financial-based? What does that look like? Well, it's financial. So if you are on limited income, you would probably qualify for Medicaid. And, and the figures change every year. And Don will get into a little bit on what the figures are on Medicaid. But basically, Medicaid, let me paint you a picture. You can have 2000 in the bank, that's it. And if you're in a long-term care facility, you get, is it $40 or is it $50 a month now? 40, wow, you get $40 a month. So every, from Social Security, 60, okay. So I have a health up here. But um, you are limited and you do lose your choice. So having a plan of action, in fact, I had a lady in the office this week that's trying to take care of her mom and it's very apparent that in 12 months she's gonna be out of money. And the daughter's sitting there with tears in her eyes going like, how can this happen? Well, it happens when you haven't thought on down the road. Because life happens. We hope to be here a long time. But you lose your choice. You lose a lot. So Medicaid is based on your income and then also Resource. resources. Okay. So you, that means that that would include your 401ks, any financial investments, all of that would then be part of that $2,000, then you would not qualify for Medicaid. Correct. So Medicaid, do um, is Medicaid a potential alternative to long-term care? Well, if you run out of money, it is. Okay, so where would that end, if where would Medicaid pay for long-term care? 
Okay, they have providers in the area, and here you go again. I like to see who I do business with. So you can research on the Department of Human Services website. Actually, it's a different name now. But you can go in and research and see who the providers are. Then the next thing you do is look at their ratings. How many complaints have they had? How many times has the health department been in? So it gives you kind of an overview on some of the communities that have a contract. For long-term care. Correct. So to piggyback on what Eunice is saying, it's nursinghomerating.org that you can go to. So nursinghomerating.org, you can look up how nursing homes have been, um, what kind of grade basically they've gotten because the, the Oklahoma State Health Department comes in unannounced and does an inspection and they cite you for deficiencies. So you want to see if that's important to you, if you want to see what type of deficiencies a place has. So that's for long-term care, if somebody needs 24-hour nursing home care. And there's only, as far as assisted living goes, there's only two assisted living facilities in the metro area that take Medicaid, only two. So yes, so on that nursinghomes.org or with the assisted living, because they also have a rating, right. correct? They do, yes, they, so, get, they get inspected as well. Correct, so on that um, website, do they also tell on that website if they accept Medicaid? Or is that something that, that would be a phone call to be able to find out if that Right. So it's called the Advantage Program for Medicaid, okay. and so you have to look up that number. I don't know if that number is on there on that website. It probably is, yeah. And then the other thing that Eunice was talking about to check out places to see where you, you know, if something happens. Well, depending on and Eunice is a Medicare expert, so you could change your Medicare during open enrollment, right, Eunice? Sometimes, and so you should always review that with Eunice or somebody because. Eunice says that every year at Spanish Cove, like you come out, I think your team is there four times in the fall. We've got her scheduled every year for like 20 years. And you can have it reviewed because not everybody accepts your Medicare. Like you might want to come to Spanish Cove or go to another place, but not everybody takes everybody's insurance. Just like when you were working and you had private health insurance, not everybody, not all the physicians take your insurance. So you have to think about those things too. Correct. Okay, so I think I'm used to being a panelist and not a moderator. So if you see me reach for the mic, it's because I'm thinking, oh no, I want to talk too. <laughs> so sorry. Sometimes old habits sneak right up. Um, so basically, we're saying that not all nursing homes and not all long term take Medicare. It's very limited. Like in Oklahoma, you said only two assisted living Medicaid. take Medicaid. Sorry. And with that, there's probably a waiting list there and probably one that is probably not the place that you would want. It may not be to the standards that you're looking for for your loved one or for yourself. So you want to make sure that you're paying attention, correct? Okay. It's one of the things we try to encourage folks is when, if they think there's going to be a Medicaid situation in the future, to go out and visit communities before you need it. And in fact, if you're going to be in nursing care and you're at the doorstep, and don't wait until you're out of money. Find a facility that takes Medicaid and go there while you still have funds available. Because if you wait until you're out of money and then start looking for where your next move is gonna be, you can go to a Medicaid facility and they may, or a facility that uh, takes Medicaid, and they say, well, we've got a three month waiting list for a Medicaid bed. But if you moved in there with personal pay and run out of funds, most of the time, I'd say over 90%, they'll move that bed to a Medicaid bed. So it's kind of like, it, go go there with your money and you get the Kool-Aid and the cookies. If you go there without money, you have to wait in the line. So, and always, if your children are involved with your life, we always encourage you to have your children go with you and visit communities that take Medicaid so that you know where you would like to live ahead of time. Just as if you were moving to Spanish Cove, you're going to go check it out. You're going to do the tour. You're going to look at it. Because... Believe it or not, there are places that take Medicaid that you may not want to live in. I've heard that. I don't know that for sure. I don't know. I've just heard this term. But you want to be, nobody's going to take care of your business like you. You were right, this. it's $40. I had a little stage fright. It's, if you have the VA benefit, you get to keep a portion of that along with that portion of Social Security. And to piggyback on what Don's saying is that, and not all communities or senior living facilities or nursing homes take Medicaid. So life care communities have a benevolent care 
um, fund, and they have a charitable clause in their contract. So if somebody outlives their assets, they're never asked to leave. We do not take Medicaid. So um, that's one thing to consider is that some places do not accept Medicaid. The other thing is is that when you're in a skilled nursing facility, isn't there a copay? Like Medicare pays 100% of the first, first, first 20 days, and then days 21 through 100, there's a copay, and it goes up every year. It's like last year was like 187, now it's like 194.50. So everybody thinks that Medicare will pay 100% of a skilled nursing stay, and it doesn't. So be aware of that. And so really, the, the common theme amongst this with Medicare and Medicaid, but specifically with well, really with both, is that you do your homework, you do your pre-work that you are out there talking to your provider, your learning about what healthcare that you would be interested in utilizing if it's needed. Um, best pre-planning is to have it pre-planned and never need it, rather than needing it and having it not planned. And if you don't have a plan and you need it, traditionally you take the small piece of the pie that's left, rather than being able to sample the entire, the entire pie. Okay, so we want to make sure we're kind of thinking about that from that perspective. Okay, so next we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about the veterans, aid, and assistance. So Don, why don't you tell us a little bit about that benefit, and this one is the one that actually is always my favorite because I always learn something new about it, and there's always so many different layers. Who gets that, who's eligible for it? Just tell us a little bit about that. So the, the aid and attendance benefit has been around, Congress passed a bill in 52 to extend benefits for those who are coming back from World War II and were already back, they saw the number of the need that was there with the widows who were back at home and with the injured that were coming back. And so the aid attendance benefit has been around for a long time, but very few people know about it. It's a benefit that if you serve at least 90 days of active duty and one day during wartime, and you didn't have to have boots on the war grounds, you could have been served in the States even, just a one day of service during, uh, during a wartime, you've qualified for the benefit. Uh, they base it off your DB-214. There is a means test. And this is probably, there's so much misinformation out there about VA benefits as a whole because there's disability, there's survivor benefits, there's aid and attendance. So don't disqualify yourself. Make sure you find out what, if you served or your husband served, find out what benefits were available. With the aid and attendance benefit, it's based on the need for help. So if you need help with any two of the six ADLs, then you could qualify. Now there is a means test, looking at your income, looking at your expenses, and looking at your total assets. And so there's basically an equation that we walk families to. Every person is a different kind of case. Okay, so, so let's go back. What's ADL? Hold on. Tell us what ADL means. Activities of daily living. Okay. So, so two of the six? Yes, any okay. two of the six. Or for instance, we were talking to a gentleman before we started, came out here this morning, and his father has macular degeneration. Well, he can still walk, he can still feed himself, he can still bathe himself, but because of macular degeneration, he cannot drive himself, and he needs somebody to help him with his medications. So if there's a need for care or assistance, there's an opportunity for that benefit to kick in. And for widows, it starts at $1,400 a month, clear up to couple, to uh, almost twenty-three to $2,500 a month, depending on the need. And when you go through that series of, of not just finding out about the benefit, the process to get the benefit. If you call the VA, they will send you a form. You send that form back and they send you another form. There's approximately six to seven different forms that need to be filled out before the process can even start. From that point, they've been better about expediting some cases, but we we encourage people to plan on there being a four to six month waiting period to get the benefit. They do back pay from the time that you apply, okay? And it's not only for veterans and their spouse, but also for widows and widowers of veterans okay? Where would you start if you thought, okay, I know that my husband was in the military, I know he served for 20 days, I'm not sure if it's wartime or not, I have his DD 214. Mm -hmm. I, I, and you need to know that we actually use that in real estate too, and I, I surprise people when I say, okay, I know you need that form, it's DD, and they usually finish the sentence for me, so I never have to remember the numbers. Um, but if I can just get to the DD and military, they know what it is, and if they go, I don't know what that is, then they're usually not in the military. Right. Um, yeah. So um, with that form, 
where would they go next? What would be the next step? Well, we have flyers to tell you the, the wartime dates and the dollar amounts, but we encourage you, you can always do some pre-planning, just like Eunice has in, uh, encouraged you to do on everything. Find out where it's gonna fit in your future. It may not be today, and we wouldn't apply for you today if you're living in your own home. It's when you start, you cannot apply until you start needing the care, and you're paying for the care or having somebody come in to help you. The benefit will, will reimburse you for in-home care, a caregiver, independent living, assisted living, and nursing home care. And for instance, if you were on the benefit and you run out of funds and you go on Medicaid, you not only get to keep a portion of your Social Security, but you get to keep a portion of that benefit for personal needs as well. So they would, even in pre-planning, they could come and speak with you or? Right. They, we, we, uh, on Thursdays is our volunteer day, and that's when we, myself and Roger Woodrum sitting there at the table, sit out with families and walk them through, just tell them about the valuation, giving them an overview of where they sit, stand now, and where it can come into play later on in their life. Okay. Like I say, there's nothing to apply for at, if you're not needing the care, but it's nice to know when it does need, is applicable in your next walk in life, okay? So it's kind of like having um, a little bit like long-term care, but for military, that you would know that you don't need it right now, but it's better to if you qualify for it or not. Right, it's, no, that, that way it's on okay. your personal level and your need base, you know, okay, how does my income fit into this equation? What kind of expenses will I need to have that's going to cancel out my income that's going to trigger the benefit? What about my assets? I, I've, got, I've got too much in assets. Well, you may have too much in assets today, but how much has inflation jumped in the last year? So you know that there's going to be a spin down of your assets typically, and knowing what that target date is and where that ceiling is of what you need to do. Now, there are pre-planning things that you can do to uh, use trust here, but I really don't want to get into that because I want you to know that just knowing the foundation of the parameters of the benefit gives you some idea if it's going to fit into your plan when you go to Spanish Cove or how does it affect any of your other benefits that you receive from the government. Okay. Well, and also how it can be a tool for you to potentially be able to stay in your home longer. Exactly. You can exactly. age in place age if you place, have this additional assistance. Even just the preservation of assets, just getting that token from the VA that helps, it slows down the spin down of your assets when you start needing that care. Okay, very good. Okay, so now we've talked about Medicare, Medicaid, we've got some good information about the vet veterans assistance. Now let's talk a little bit about long-term care. Okay, long-term care insurance. Um, so long-term care insurance can sometimes be, well, sometimes just like confusing, just like all other insurance. You just get, kind of get the weeds with it. So Eunice, tell us a little bit about um, what people can utilize, when they need to begin to think they can utilize their long-term care and how they go about making claim for that. What does that look like? Spend about six months getting the first one processed. Right now, um, in the long-term care industry, number one, your doctor has to say that you are not going to get better, that you've got a chronic condition that's going to affect your quality of life. And as Don mentioned, uh, the ADLs, activities of daily living, think about the first 10 minutes that you get up in the morning. You get out of bed, go to the bathroom, Toddle down the hall, put the coffee pot on you. You've hit three right there. Take your medication. So when you cannot perform your activities of daily living without hands-on assistance, you would qualify for long-term care. Most of the policies that are in the market right now, there are very few left that have what is called a zero-day elimination. Most policies have a 30 90 up to six months some even have a year of what they call an elimination period that's deductible that means that while you're filing a claim you have to pay for that period of time before the insurance carrier will kick in and start paying if i have a client that does have a chronic condition i go ahead and start the claim even though we're in the elimination period 
because the process takes so long now. Trust me, the insurance company is looking for 45 reasons not to approve you. So you want to get it started early. You want to have a good relationship with your doctor. And I've even gone through long-term care policies and highlighted for the doctor and told them, if this patient meets this qualification, we need to be very strong in the letter that you write to the insurance company. Don't say, oh well, they're just having this problem. I mean, you've got to really get to the grip, especially if it's a cognitive impairment. Because if it's Alzheimer's, that's one trigger. Because you are gonna have to have hands-on care. And the process just takes a while. If I get a claim processed in 45 days, I'm excited. And I really set the, and it's usually the kids or the power of attorney that I'm talking to when it comes claim filing time. So I just tell them, let's take a deep breath. This is gonna take a while. And the other thing is, don't jump out there and get your provider and not check them out. Because I had an incident up in Noble County that the home health care company was not qualified to provide home health care. Imagine that. And this couple, or this, the kids, paid for almost six months. Well, the insurance company denied the first six months of benefits because they weren't qualified or they weren't certified by the state of Oklahoma. So checking out your provider and asking questions, because it cost that family, they lost their deductible time because the provider wasn't qualified. Okay, so I've got a question. So with, okay, so with the veterans assistance, we've learned that it can take six months to qualify, but they will pack pay, they back pay, pay you. Does long-term care back pay you if it takes six months? They will go back. They will, if they approve you. If they approve. But if they deny you because of a technical difficulty or <laughs> a licensing issue, then you've missed that opportunity of what you've already paid in going towards the deductible and no back pay. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? That I mean, it's kind of it's an odd game of chess or checkers because you're moving one forward and maybe two back, knowing if it's that the six months it's going to take to qualify, you're going to get that money back if it is accepted. Right. Approved. Okay. So also, it sounds like the word chronic is very important when the doctor's writing. The, um, the diagnosis or the description, whereas we talked about the word acute earlier mm -hmm. with Medicare and Medicaid, that those are things that are short-term that you can get better from, you're looking at chronic. So We're looking at chronic. And the doctor needs to paint the worst picture possible. If you're not gonna get better, um, you've paid on that long-term care policy probably a long time, and you paid for it for a reason so that the insurance company would help you save part of your assets and not have to go into your resources to take care of you. So I tell the doctor, you know, this is not good. We need to really paint a picture. And no doctor is gonna lie. But that's why I take my yellow highlighter, go through the client's policy, and just give it to the doctor. And I mean, I had a neurologist in Edmonds said, oh God, thank you so much. They do this, this, and this. And he wrote a letter, and the insurance company came back, and they approved it immediately. Okay. So what now? I my mother has long-term health care, and we need to file a claim. Do we go? How do we go about starting that process to know what to highlight? Who's going to help us do that? I want to give it back to Eunice here. One of the biggest faux pas is when people purchase long-term care policies in the retirement planning process. And if you're retired and your financial person has not sat down with you immediately so that you fully understand the benefits that you have for that plan, you do not want to wait until you need it to find out what what, what you're going to have to qualify for. So that's, that's a responsibility of the financial professional is to get you back in the office and say, hey, you're retired now, don't forget this is a part of our planning. And if that's something you need help with, get, reach out and get the help that you need to understand that plan now while you still are cognitive and able to do it yourself, okay? Back to your question. 
Um, so, okay, so I really liked his answer and I kind of forgot my question. Um, oh, how do you start the process? How, yeah, do they do it, you do it yourself or should you use a professional? What does that look like? Every carrier has an 800 line in, inside the policy. A lot of carriers have been um, acquired by other insurance companies because in today's market there are about five insurance carriers that actually offer long-term care. So number one, you go find the phone number. If that's changed, the Oklahoma Department of Insurance has a legal department that always has the 800 number. Your best resource is, is your agent still working? Because if your agent is still working, uh, they're familiar with your policy. They are your best go-to. Like I highlighted the policy for the neurologist, and he said thank you. So if doctors, you know, if you have that agent that goes to bat for you, that's a win-win. When you go to the insurance company to file a claim, did I say they're looking for a reason not to pay that claim? They're not going to highlight that, you know, the outline of coverage. They're not going to go look and see if there's an alternate plan of care in that policy. They're going to send you a claim form, and your job is to fill it out. They are not there to help you put a claim in force. They're there to make sure that you fill the claim form out right. But don't, unless you know the questions to ask them, they're not going to volunteer that. Their job is not to help you be approved. Their job is to move the paperwork around right. so they've provided you the documents right. that you need. And they're not very nice on the phone. Yeah, I mean, they're, they, nice. they're very, very nice. But they're not going to go into any detail to help you get it pushed forward. Okay, very good. Okay. Kind of just tag on that. One of the biggest things that you need to understand, the cost of long-term care premiums continues to go up. And you need to understand because most of the time they will give you options to blocking your premium or uh, to what bells and whistles would you like to give up for the future on that plan and that's where their financial professional needs to continue to update that with you and when you see those premium increases be sure and get with them because they will walk you through what you're giving up to keep your premium the same or what you want to keep no matter what how much it costs so remember it's something that needs maintained as you can put it in place and to piggyback on what Don said in Unisys um, so they both, Don, Sword, and Eunice, they come out multiple times throughout the year at Spanish Cove and meet with residents because they get letters in the mail and our premiums are going up. Should we, what should we do with our long-term care insurance? And we're a life care community, which we'll go into a little bit later. It, it's, it's not a form of long-term care insurance, but it's like long-term care insurance. But Eunice will actually sit down and see what medication you're on and say during open enrollment and you save people thousands and thousands of dollars, like reviewing what best insurance pays best for which medications. And I've seen her with the highlighter go through people's policies right in my office and say, now if something happens, this is what you need to pay attention to. Because many people bought their long-term care insurance, what, 30, 40 years ago? And who knows where that booklet is and who knows where your agent is? But let me tell you what, she's got the names and numbers of the people to call to to get the most up-to-date information. So it is good to know the experts who can help you. And just like Don Sword, I met him 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, and you know, it, it's so confusing. So it's really good to understand it because I remember giving a tour and he was having lunch with a resident and this resident said, Jill, you have to get to know Don and learn about these veterans benefits. And I'm like, Joe, you don't qualify for veterans benefits because this couple had a beach house in Florida. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, there's no way that they could qualify for that. And so I know you're a financial advisor and you helped them with that. But anyway, it, it's really interesting to find out what you can qualify and how you can save money and, and how you can pay for long-term care because... Well, with each of these, what's really important, and you, and you hit on it perfectly, Joe, it's not about denying yourself or eliminating yourself so going through the list and going oh i don't qualify for that don't self-eliminate do the homework because basically with all of what you're planning 
really with all of our Senior Living Truth series, we're building your toolbox. We're helping you know what tools you have available. That tool may not fit at this time in life, but to know about it in advance and to know that it's potentially there is what's so important. <coughs> That's why each one of the things we're talking about so far is are things that primarily are in the future, but knowing that they're available, half the battle is knowing what question to ask. And so really the goal in what we're talking about, because these guys, everyone up here said the same phrase, things change year to year. The dollar amount changes year to year, that year to year. The, the qualification changes year to year. The year that you can sign up for Medicare changes year to year. Whatever the case may be, it all changes. For us, for all of us that this is not what we do every day, we couldn't keep up with that to say we, that would become a new full-time job. <laughs> Forget retirement, you would be doing that full-time. That's why you're coming to the professionals to know what questions to ask. What has changed? What in my long-term my long-term care insurance has changed? What um, what new qualifications are for Medicare? Knowing each of those is what's so important. So very good. Thank you guys. Okay, so we're going to move on to this is one of my favorites because this one I can speak to better than the other two, but I love listening to Jill. Is so what is a life care contract? Um, and what is available with some of the, CRC, the CCRCs? What is a life care contract? So thank you, Shannon. A life care contract is basically, it, we're not allowed to say it's an insurance product, but it's like long-term care insurance because it helps people control the costs of future care. Um, I don't know how many people have long-term care insurance, but we have a lot of people that live in life care communities that have long-term care insurance and those that don't have it as well because it kind of helps protect you either way. It helps protect your assets from the rising costs associated with long-term care because right now the average private pay rate, and when I say private pay is if any of us needed nursing care right now in the metro area, it would cost about probably $10,000, $11,000, $12,000 a month for nursing care, for a private room. So it's very expensive. And so we're talking about how do you pay for it? Well, if you have long-term care insurance and if you qualify for the VA benefits and if you met with Don and got approved ahead of time and understand and you, because you can't wait until you need these things to get approved. All of this takes research, so you really have to plan ahead. Like Shannon's been saying to us, it's so important to plan ahead because when you need it and you wait until then, it's not you're you're going to have to pay privately um, unless you planned ahead. So it's very expensive. So with the life care contract, you basically you pay an entry fee, and a lot of people tell me that that entry fee is is basically equal to about what you would pay privately for assisted living or nursing care for one year for one person. Um, so it and it controls the cost of future care. So if you need if you need assisted living or you need nursing care, you're never gonna pay 10, 11, or $12,000 a month in a life care community. So that's why people choose to live in a life care community. Plus, it does protect them from the unknowns in the world. I had a resident, um, I've been in Spanish over a really long time, and she retired from GM. Well, do you all remember when the GM plants closed and they changed their benefits? Well, she had long-term care insurance, and they gave up that benefit, and they did away with it at GM, and then they also changed her pension well, she didn't have to worry. She was at Spanish Cove. She had the life care contract. And even though she was worried about how she was going to pay her monthly fee, um, you know, she didn't have to worry because we have a benevolent fund. And so we don't take Medicaid. But every life care community does have a charitable clause in their contract that if you outlive your assets, you don't have to worry and your family doesn't have to worry about you moving. Okay, very good. So does outliving your assets mean that I have, oh, a slight maybe a slot machine issue <laughs> and that I enjoy going to the casinos and I may gamble a little too much and then I've outlived my income. Does that cover that? No. So um, they do. <laughs> so, you know, a life care community, and I can only speak about how Spanish Cove does it, but I imagine most of them do do that. You know, they're, they're not-for-profit organizations and they're very frugal and they have lots of check, checks and balances. And you do have to apply for the benevolent fund, and they do look at, you know, right, you, 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 right, right. You can't given it away, or you know, it's basically you've outlived it, or something happened, like the stock market, you know, was 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, so you can't have a gambling problem or anything like that. To or give it to your grandkids. Right. So no. potentially take advantage of you. Okay, right. so also, now, so we've got some good professionals up here. But do you find that um, CPAs or financial planners or financial advisors typically understand the life care option? Do you find that they understand what that means? That, or when they hear the term buy-in, they instantly put up walls? You know, I think that a lot of CPAs and financial advisors highly recommend a life care contract. Um, if they don't know it, then they usually pick up the phone and call and say, now can you explain this? But most of them highly recommend it because it's a way to protect your wealth, right? You want to, most people want to leave a legacy to their family or to an organization, a church or a nonprofit organization or what have you. So it is a way to protect your, your investments and what you've worked hard to have. And you know, that's what Eunice does, that's what Don does. And at Spanish Code, the life care contract, that's what we often hear about. A lot of people will say, well, it costs a million dollars to live there. Well, it doesn't cost a million dollars to live there. Um, it, it's it is a it is a big investment in a life. Yeah, <laughs> it is. The residents are very. If you can live in a life care community, you are pretty blessed um, to have that option. So, because not everybody can qualify for it, just like not everybody has the means to pay for long term care insurance their life or to have been in the military and can get the VA benefits. So, okay, so, I have, okay, so that leads to another question. You so you said qualify. So say I have enough money um, to be able to move in. Are there other qualifications other than money for life care? There is, and I want to back up one thing to just go back to the CPA. Okay. Um, there are some tax benefits, and so a lot of CPAs do like the medical tax deduction that's associated with the life care community. Um, for about 50 years, the IRS has um, had a ruling that allows for people who live in a life care community, it's only with a life care contract, that they could deduct a portion of the entry fee and a portion of the monthly fee. So I'm not a CPA, I'm not a representative from the IRS, but I can share with you this information and, and residents at our community do get a letter from our CFO that quotes this, the amounts that people can deduct on their taxes. So that is, I think, important to, to know. So if you have a financial planner or advisor that you are speaking to about a, a life care plan and asking them about it and their answer is instantly um, maybe resistant or maybe not they don't have good um, information, give them Jill's number. We have um, other CCRCs here from Concordia that we'd love to be able to speak with them and help educate them and get them some more information so that it's not a perceived um, that you're just writing over a check for something and and it not being an investment, not looking at the total picture. So those okay. are also good resources to connect people to answer those Yeah, questions. absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, and then you're- So in a life care community, you do have to qualify financially, obviously, um, to be able to pay an entry fee and a monthly fee. And you also have to qualify medically. So in a life care community, people move to a life care community, generally speaking, in reasonably good health. And um, they have to pass a medical evaluation with us. I kind of think that that's kind of a nice thing. We had a couple recently move in, and they're like 71 and 72, and they were signed up. They, well, they they are still signed up for our new building phase two that we're expanding to in a few years, and they were they said, you know, we're so glad we didn't wait because moving is hard work. Of course, Shannon and Nikki's team can really help you and make it easier, but moving is tough work. And they were like, I can't believe if we would have waited four years. You know, we still wouldn't have been that old, but still moving at 70 and moving at 74 is, you know, it's, I know at 50 it's much harder to do things now than when I was 30. So it is, um, I'm, I'm kind of glad that we have that requirement. and. We're um, pretty active, you know, different communities may have different requirements, but not everybody's going to qualify for Spanish Cove. Um, we do want people to move in in reasonably good health. Okay, so there can be a point where that with their health, with health issues that you may not qualify for life care. Right, and so life care communities usually have another contract too, which is like a regular CCRC contract. And when we say CCRC, that means continuing care retirement community. And there's, it, it changes all the time because companies may change their policies, but um, generally speaking, there are um, several. There's only three life care communities that I just learned about. So there's um, Epworth Villa, Concordia, and Spanish Cove. We're the only three life care communities. 
And so you do want to check it out to see if you qualify for life care community. But we also have other contracts, like in Spanish Go, we do have a contract called Fee for Service. So if you're not as healthy, kind of like it's, like I said, it's kind of like an insurance product. If you apply for insurance, the, healthy you, the healthier you are, the better rate you get. Right? And so if you're not as healthy, you may not qualify for life care, but we may have a different contract for you, or you may not qualify, and we'll be happy to you know, explain to you other options. Okay, so that's all of my questions. Let's open it up to the group. Does anybody have any questions that they would like to ask the panel? We've covered a lot, but I'm sure that you guys always have really good questions. Yes, ma'am. So the question was, does the spouse giving care uh, qualify for the VA benefit? And it, it doesn't. It can't be a spouse that's giving that care. So it has to be a third Because it can take care of him since y'all got married, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, that's how it is in life. That's what I'm told happens in life. So there are some things that we can go in that would open the door for you to be creative with who is giving the care. And so, and, and I want to reiterate, our goal is not to undermine the federal government or the VA system. Uh, the VA knows how many veterans have come through their system and there's money set aside for benefits. And so doing it in a way that's above board, uh, we don't want to lie, we don't want to stretch the truth. We want to be informative and detailed so that people know what they've got and not have to worry about any repercussions down the road. Medicare sends to whatever company 
a certain amount a month. It starts at about $1,000. So if you're on, say, United Healthcare or Humana, they're going to get a check every month from Medicare because you're no longer in the Medicare system and they use that money to manage your care. I like the perks, but some dentists in town do a fee-for-service discount with you. I would ask my dentist, before I would make a change, I would ask my doctor if they're in that network before they make the change. And as Jill said earlier, we get to the skilled nursing benefit. In January, February, and March, after annual election, this is where we get the most of our phone calls in the office because somebody's fallen. They have to go in a SNP unit. Now, they don't have to be in the hospital three days on Medicare Advantage, and that's a good thing. But they do have to pay that out-of-pocket after 20 days. And that's a real shocker to people to find out that if they want to stay in that, in that, with that provider, that they're going to be out $180 a day for skilled nursing. So knowing what your real cost is, because in the open market, the Medicare Advantage plans are zero to $74 in our market area. And there's, I think, about 29 different options. So what is the best for you? Do you have 10,000 in your savings? If say you went with Humana, uh, that you could shell out. And oh, by the way, if your health changes and you're on a Medicare Advantage, it's a little tricky to get back into a supplement because you have to help qualify. So there's a lot of uh, questions that I ask people before we get into that decision process because it's your health. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. You have try here? You don't need a Medicare Advantage. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Federal employees have the best plans out there. If you qualify for TRICARE, leave it alone because TRICARE and Medicare is going to take care of you. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you a question also. Is it true that if you're on an advantage plan in Oklahoma, it may not, you may not be covered if you go see your grandkids out of state and have an incident where you have to go to the doctor or hospital? That's very true. You have to be in the network, even though they say they're regional. And, and a good example is, I always tell my clients, if you have stage four cancer and your oncologist here says, we're shipping you to MD Anderson, you're not going on Medicare Advantage. Unless MD Anderson says they'll accept the terms and conditions on that contract. So as we age, does our health get better? Do we have issues? Do we slip and fall? Do we need a specialist? See, those are things to think about. It's all about choice. Would you rather pay 145 or 150 a month or zero, but know that maybe you just limited your options? And I can't tell you that if you called me and just wanted to talk about a Medicare Advantage. I could only talk to you about a Medicare Advantage because that's Medicare's requirement because God knows they don't want to confuse you. So, so there's there's a lot of things to think about. And like I said, Glenn Beck did my best ad when he said, when was the last time the government sent you an easy to check off list? Medicare is very confusing. So sitting down with a professional that's maybe not looking at the commission, but looking at where you come from, what's the best thing for you? If I were in your shoes, which way would I roll? It's a total picture. So it's not just about the deductible, it's about the coverage. And it's not just about the coverage, it's about the deductible, but it's about you. Each person in this room is different, and each of your situations are different, so it's about the total picture. And it's kind of like, um, and you may have said this, the medic the advanced program is an HMO. So, there are, okay, well, okay, so it's really good if you're healthy. Just like anything else, everything's great when you're healthy. and. So it's when things start falling apart that a lot of places don't take the Advantage programs that you would want to go to. Okay, I'm a good example. Broke my arm in February. Broke my arm in February. I'm on original Medicare. I'm going to McBride, okay? And one of the orthopedic doctors said, okay, 
we have the Medicare Advantage arm or we have the Medicare arm. He said, oh, you're on Medicare. I heard him say that. And I thought, God, wow. that's kind of scary. That is scary. Okay, tell me about the Medicare Advantage arm. So it makes you stop and think. And I probably wasn't supposed to hear that conversation, okay? But, and I'm going, come and answer it, say, do you know <laughs> who you just said that in front of? But uh, anyway, it definitely makes you stop and think. I've been doing this for 32 years. All I want is if my customer walks out the door, I want to know, hey, you're okay. I don't have to worry about you. So. And I just, uh, I don't know if they fixed it, but I've been reading about like the OU Health Science Center Medical Center. They, they Their contract with United is gone. So there's, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so, and you know, and, and let your kids know what your insurance is because, you know, we deal with kids all the time. Well, my parents have had the best insurance and they have this, this, and this. And But what is the best insurance? Right. They don't know what that is. They right. just know that my parents have the best. Well, right. best is not a title. <laughs> right. Description. So be aware. And Medicare doesn't pay for everything. It doesn't pay for all the different providers. Like Eunice just said, there's the Medicare Advantage arm and then there's the regular Medicare arm. And so... So be aware. Good question. Good inspiration. I actually, guys, we are running out of time. I think I'm out of time. Um, but so we're gonna. I'm gonna answer one last question. So Betty, did you have one last question for us? I just wanted to say that Medicare only pays 80 percent. You know that that that's the norm right there. And sometimes when you go to the doctor, they go to the I see it was different looking at my eyes and when I said you can also have tri then you've got the better arm. You got it. Okay, guys, great questions. And now each of our panelists, so I do want to say something. When you, you know, I was talking about life care. So when you are looking at senior living communities, not every community offers every level of care. So, you know, that's something to think about too, is that if you move to a life care community or if you move to a continuing care retirement community, the good news is, is that you have every level on one campus. So depending on how you can pay for it or will pay for it, it will vary a little bit. But it is important when you're when we're talking about providers and who provides what. It's also about availability. Yes, yes, yes. So all the way through. So guys, lots of good information. As you can tell, hopefully we learned something new today. Um, and I so appreciate your time. We're gonna. I'd like to thank. Let's thank our panelists for coming back and talking to us. Thank you. And the good news is they each have a table. And so as you as we finish up today and as you leave, if you have other questions and more specific, please stop and ask and speak with them. They'd be happy to speak with you. I have just a couple of more things. So they each have their checklist and they got their questions. So I got my checklist and my questions, so I've got to make sure I hit them because of course Nikki and Chris are going to see this video. So we want to make sure that I've got all my checklists done as well. Um, so guys, at your table, you have the next class that we're going to have is the truth about scams and how con artists use psychology against you. Um, we're going to approach this a little differently. Actually, I'm really excited about this one because this is going to be kind of a new twist on a, class, a seminar that we've done in the past. So currently, Triad and OKC Salt, they do a fabulous job of telling us what scams are out there. Okay, So we kind of know what scams are out there. What we're going to be talking about is a little bit different. We're going to kind of go about educating us on how and we're going to talk about how and why scams are so prevailing and why so many people fall victim to them. So we're going to kind of look at the whys and the psychology behind it to educate and empower ourselves so if we are more aware of the whys and our own deficiencies and our own things that we're vulnerable to, that we're going to be able to combat that better. So next month's topic is going to be great. Then. Um, we talked a little bit about today, we'll talk everything about planning, but the last form that you have in front of you is we have done some great tours at Spanish Cove, we've done tours at Concordia, we've done tours with Bradford Village, but a lot of the questions we've gotten from our people, um, from our clients, is they want to look at lots of different alternatives. So we are going to be doing meetup um, tours at some different communities. The goal of this, the, the meetup tours is not just knowing about the different communities, 
but teaching and educating you on how to ask those in-depth questions at communities to learn what you need to learn about the communities. So if you're interested in learning how to tour community um, by being able to see some different communities and compare, um, do some comparative sales, some comparative numbers, please see Danielle at the um, OKC Mature Moves table and you've got that information in the flyer in front of you as well. And of course, no um, SLTS Senior Living Truth Series will be complete without the evaluation. So you have the evaluation in front of you and if you will please make sure to hand that to Jim on your way out. I would truly appreciate it. And let's see if I've gotten everything on my list done. Downsizers Club. Oh, and this one's near and dear to my heart. Our Downsizers Club has had a wonderful year this year. We've actually had six graduates. So we have a few um, spots available. If you are interested and would like some more information about the Downsizers Club, please see um, Jake or myself at the table and we'd be happy to give you some more information about that. And believe it or not, I think that I've gotten everything else because we talked about the shredding event and we've talked about the meetup tours. I should go back to meetup tours. There we go. So guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you letting me be the fill-in moderator today. It was a pleasure. Evaluations as you leave, and these guys are going to be at the table. So if you have any questions, you can go visit with them. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much.